Hey guys, Joshua Miller here. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. It doesn't cost a thing to download. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Podcast, and many, many more. It automatically will send them to those. You can make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. You don't have to click and drag from one to another and have several open and use it. It's all in one place for you. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks. Have a great day. Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool.
Hello, everybody. Preacher Josh here again. Um, I'm glad you could join me today. I hope you're uh, having a blessed day in the Lord today. Uh, we've got a lot of concerns in this world, a lot of things going on, uh, uprisings there, here and there, um, a lot of things to go. So I kind of I'll cover some of it through our Bible reading today. Uh, but first, I want to start in a word of prayer. So let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. Um, we come to you now because we understand that we are helpless in our own power and that we need you. We need to surrender and we need to repent of our sins. We need to turn from our wicked ways and we need to get on our knee, hands and knees and pray for your help and your guidance and forgiveness for our sins. We need to understand as a country, as the United States of America, that we've sinned against you as a nation uh, through our abortions, um, through this push of these vaccines on the masses, and we've disobeyed against you um, through many things, our, our stepping away from Afghanistan after helping people, the Afghan people there, and then just leaving them on their own just to, to be spoiled by the Taliban, uh, we are, are, doing, are, are making very bad choices right now as a nation. I pray as a nation, as in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, that we would get on our hands and knees before you and call upon the name of the Lord before it's too late. Are we being going to be punished by foreign countries because of our disobedience, because of our lack of moral character, because of the abortions, because of our lack of compassion for other people? Your word tells us that we will be chastised for that as a nation. And if we don't repent, I know that there's there's consequences to our actions. Lord, I, I've, I ask for forgiveness for what I've done and my, um, uh, my lack of my stance in, in certain areas in my life. Lord, I pray that I would step up and do what's right for you and follow you as my Lord and Savior in everything I do and everything I say. I pray that you would bless this podcast and that your word, the, the reading of your word, I pray that we would submit to you and to you only, and I pray that we, we would be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I pray that you would be with the 25,000 kids in Australia that under the, under the lockdown, the government has taken the kids from their parents and brought them to a stadium or whatever, and they've started inoculating them. I pray that you would stop that. I, I, I don't have any power. Another, I do have listeners from Australia. And I pray that they would get the word out if they were not aware of this. And I pray that they would stand up and resist against the tyrants. And But first of all, trust you and put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And God for their strength and be able to overrun these tyrants. I pray that we would make wise decisions. Be with the Afghans that are now in danger of their lives, losing their lives because of our... Um, abrupt withdrawal without support in Afghanistan, Lord. I pray you protect them, protect the Christians there. And we know you're in charge, but you allow things that are not good to happen because of your people's disobedience. And I pray that we would, we would follow you and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior before it's too late. 
And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today I want to look at the book of Habakkuk. And he's a minor prophet um, just because he's called minor because it's only three chapters to the whole book of Habakkuk. It's a short book. But it's very important because it's God calling out his people because of their wickedness and their stubborn and stiff-necked actions. And I'll read a little bit of background to Habakkuk. Habakkuk ministers during the death throes of the nation of Judah. Although repeatedly called to repentance, the nation stubbornly refuses to change her sinful ways. Habakkuk, knowing the hard-heartedness of his countrymen, Ask God how long this intolerable condition can continue. God replies that the Babylonians will be his chastening rod upon the nation, an announcement that sends the prophet to his knees. He acknowledges that the just in any generation shall live by faith, not by sight. We see that in chapter 2, verse 4. Habakkuk concludes by praising God's wisdom, even though he does not fully understand God's ways. The name Habakkuk means one who embraces. And we see that Habakkuk, in his final statement in this book, he embraces God as his Lord and Savior. In spite of what his country did, and in spite of his country's disobedience, so we see in Habakkuk, we'll start with chapter 1 and verse 1, and he says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contentions. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. So we see Habakkuk in his wisdom. He sees his nation as turning their back on God. And he asks, he says, how long will I cry and I will not hear? So he seems to see think that God has turned his back on his people. When the case is, the people had turned their back on God. They disobeyed, and they decided to follow their own ways. He could see that his country was out of control. He says, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? He saw spoiling. He saw violence there, and no one saving him, his people, from this violence. And... He was upset because he saw the condition of his fellow fellow countrymen, and he was torn up about it, and he, he thought the Lord didn't care. But what is amazing about this is that God responds to him in verse 5. And so we'll see through this chapter that Habakkuk actually has a conversation with God. Now the Lord will reply to him, here in verse five, 5, and he says, Behold, you among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvel marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. 
For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed them. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this, his power, unto his God. That's a ter- Think about this, what God has just said in verses 5 through 11. That was his reply to Habakkuk. He answered him. Habakkuk at first thought, well, maybe God turned his back on his people. But now God addresses, I'm going to show you a great and marvelous work in that which if someone told you, you wouldn't believe had happened. I want to think think about this for a minute. Would you believe that we would be in such a predicament now with these vaccine mandates and mask mandates uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago? Would you think if someone told you this would happen, would you believe it? Would you believe the United States of America would be in this condition? Australia would be in the condition it's in? And other, the UK, um, would you think that we would have to deal this and our governments would do this to us? But the Lord says, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the dwelling places that are not theirs. We're seeing this, especially with, um, we see the election was stolen. And we have an illegitimate president. Uh, he's just a, the, a regime in there in place. They, the coup d'etat was, it looked like they, they were, were successful with it. And, but we see that may, maybe God has a, something to do with this because of the disobedience of his people. Maybe because of his people in the, U, the U.S., the so-called Christians aren't doing their job. They're not doing what they were told to do. They're, they haven't trusted in Jesus. They claim to be a Christian, but they don't follow Jesus. They're a Christian in name only. And God says here to Habakkuk, because his people have disobeyed, that he's bringing judgment. And notice how he's bringing judgment. He's bringing judgment by another nation, by another country, and they are invading his country because of his people's disobedience he says they are terrible and dreadful their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves we wonder why these things are happening but if related in a spiritual sense we i I trust god i i believe god i follow him through jesus my lord and savior i understand that there there is a higher power that we're not here on our own I understand that we're in a spiritual warfare, that it's between God and the devil, between good and evil. And we have to to decide which side we are on. There is no middle ground. And because of our country's disobedience, do you think maybe God is sending another country to chastise us? You think 
like he did to uh, Judah with the Chaldeans. He says they are swift, they're powerful. He says their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves. It was a terrible, terrible thing. Well, you think he might send the Taliban on us because we disobeyed? That might be the case. And it says, well, let's go down to verse 9. It says, they shall come all for violence. They're not going to come to try for a peace treaty. They're not going to come try to make a deal. The Chaldeans are there for violence to destroy everything in their path. Can you grasp that? That they will come to destroy? The Chaldeans went to Judah to destroy everything, yet God led it. That was part of his chastisement to his people for their disobedience. They would not listen. He says, they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. They were, they're going to completely occupy the land of Judah because of Judah's disobedience. So now Habakkuk answers, replies to God here in verse 12 through 17. And he asked, Habakkuk asked a question after God's reply. First reply. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art purer, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Therefore look thou upon them that deal treacherously, and hold thy tongue when the wicked devour the, the man that is more righteous than he, and makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag. Because by them their portion is fat and their meat is plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. So Habakkuk asked God, aren't you an everlasting God? Aren't you the Holy One? Aren't you the Lord my God? And he, he makes a statement here. He says, we shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. So he understands here that God is a just God. And that the reason that God is carrying this out sending chastisement on them by the Chaldeans is because of their disobedience. A just God has to correct our actions, our unjust actions. And he understands that he is a holy God, so he has to bring forth judgment on their disobedience. So he understands, one, that God is exercising his judgment on his people and two he is establishing correction he is correcting them because we as we know a loving father will not let his son go unpunished and without correction so that is what god 
did with Judah. And what he calls out here in Habakkuk, because he is a just God, a corrupt God, one for himself, a wicked God, would would just let things go, let corruption go, let wickedness prevail, let the people do what they want to do without any interference. But because he is a just God, he establishes righteousness. He exercises judgment and established the chastisement for correction. He also states that in verse 13 that God cannot look on evil. He can't let it go. That's what I just uh, stated there was that he can't let evil wickedness prevail and he won't. When it's all said and done, God prevails. So he can't let his people go that route. Notice what Habakkuk says here in verse 14 through 17. It says, And makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. He asked a question there. Um, it goes with, uh, back, let me back up. He said, Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and hold thy tongue when the wicked devours the man that is more righteous than he, and makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them? He said, Are you going to, are you, do you just think that we're just a, a thing or an animal? Do you think that we're something that's not created in the image of God? Do you, we're not something that had, that, requires any respect but again he stated just previously in verse 13 that his eyes are pure eyes too pure to behold evil so the lord is making a correction and he stated here verse 14 15 16 and 17 is that the people that are are fixing to fall upon judah or, or the let me go to verse 15. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag. Notice here he said, he's showing the men their, their error, their, their mistake that they made. That they are God's creatures and they should worship God. But now instead, they're worshiping their net. They're worshiping their angle, their equipment, their tools to gather fish. They are, are taking the credit for being able to capture these creatures, uh, which is sustenance for them to live. Their portion of fat and their meat is plenteous, as it says in verse 16. But they're taking the credit. And he asked in verse 17, it says, Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? They're doing things for selfish gain. And notice what Habakkuk says is actually chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Something important there that we need to remember there in chapter 2, verse 1, is that when God corrects us, 
we need to accept it. We need to comply. We need to get on our knees. We need to wait for God to direct. And that's what Habakkuk does here. He said, I'm going to stand on my watch and set upon my tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. Habakkuk replied to God's reply, and he said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what God does. I'm going to expect him to do what he said. I'm going to expect him to correct us. I'm going to expect him to chastise us. And that's what he does. So Habakkuk waits. And I don't know the time frame between what Habakkuk said initially, verses 1 through 4, God's reply, verses 5 through 11, Habakkuk's reply, verses 12 through 17 but he waits how long i don't know so verse 2 of chapter 2 god replies to habakkuk's statement here and this is the lord speaking and the lord answered to me and said write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And that is something very important there. The just shall live by faith. Yea, also, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. Neither keepeth at home who enlargeth his desire as hell and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathers unto him all nations and heaps unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? How long? And to him that laden himself with thick clay, shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee and awake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establishes it a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, and as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, and putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid, because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, 
and of all that dwell therein. What profit is the graven image that the maker thereof has made, the molten image and a teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusts therein to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Okay, so there is a lot here in chapter 2. And that's verses 2 through 20 to the end of the chapter. Let's go back to verse 2 to God's second reply to Habakkuk. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. What we want to glean from this is when God's word, when he speaks, it is settled. When God gives a judgment, a promise, a warning, that's it. It's settled. That's what if he said what he says will happen will happen. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he says, at the end it shall speak and not lie. God cannot lie. He is truth. He is the embodiment of truth. The, the reason there is truth is because of God. He is righteous. He's holy. He's pure. And he tells Habakkuk here, what I say will happen. He said, it surely will come. It will not tarry. Meaning that it may wait, that it may hold back. Or, um, but it'll come in his timing exactly when he plans for it too. So notice what he says that we should do in verse 4. He says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not up. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. Notice what he says. But the just shall live by his faith the just shall live by faith that is in god in jesus uh we cannot live in anything else it is only in god as our savior as our lord as our creator he is in charge we have to trust him and what he has to say. We know according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 
God is in control. We may not understand everything that is going on, but one thing is for sure that the just shall live by faith. In our own, we die, but in God, we live through our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the faith. We understand that God keeps his promises. God said that he would send his son. He sent his son. He said that he would die. His son died. He said he would rise again on the third day. He arose again on the third day. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. We trust him because we know by faith that he did it. Verse 5. Yea, also, because he transgresses with wine, he is a proud man, neither keeps his home, who enlarges his desire as hell, and as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathers unto him all nations, and heaps unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay shall they not arise up suddenly that shall bite thee and awake that shall vex thee and that that shall be for booties unto them how long is the people going to take advantage of others and because of their own greed and selfishness take advantage of others he says because he transgresses by wine so he's drunken he's out of his own mind he's not sober he is a proud man. He doesn't stay at home and take care of his own things, but he looks to, he says, enlarges his desire as hell and is as death and cannot be satisfied, but gathers unto him all nations and heaps unto him all people. We need to make a stand for the Lord. We need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my sins where I failed you. I'm on my knees humbly. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God will. He says that he will forgive us of our sins and he will heal our land. In Second Chronicles 7.14. But, Note, remember, he sent the Chaldeans to chastise his people of Judah because of their disobedience, because of their arrogance, because of their pride. Verse 8, because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and of all that dwell therein. Verse 8, thinking about verse 8 and what it its context here i couldn't help but think about us as a country being in that same exact spot we here i think the correlation is that the u.s is judah the chaldeans are uh other countries i can't say a specific country because we're being invaded by multiple countries through our southern border we have uh, Africans coming through, Haitians coming through, Iranians coming through. Now we're going to have uh, thousands of Afghans, which I'm all for saving them because we we just left them stranded. 
that's one of the sins of the U.S. We just were there for 20 years trying to build a a a country over there and then just dropped out, pulled our support and expect them to stand on their own when we've they've been dependent on us for all this time. That doesn't work, but we did it. So now. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee because of men's blood and for the violence of the land. We tell people, we say one thing and do another. We give a promise and we break it. We don't, we don't hold life as important. Look at all the abortions that we've had as our country, all the abortions that our country has committed. Look at all the, the, the endless war that we've been in for years. I mean, look at the way we treat people as a country. The Lord will hold us accountable. Verse 9, he says, Woe to them that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set up his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Don't covet the personal things for yourself, but the will of God to help others. We're all created in the image of God. We're all important. At the moment of conception, we are a human being with an eternal soul. He says, Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. We have trespassed against God by disgracing his people. All of us have been made in his image, and we're we're here to help support them. And our desire should have been to help and to reach them. But instead, we've stabbed them in the back. Verse 14 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. There is, God is all omnipotent, so whether we like it or not, whether we, we don't have any say in the fact that God has the final say. He's in charge. He is in control. He is the creator. What he says goes. Now, again, he's given us a free will to choose whether we can decide whether we obey him and follow him or do we turn our back on him. But we see there's consequences to our actions. Here in verse 15 through 19, we see that a individual, but he's speaking of the nation. He's speaking of the nation here. Um, taking advantage of others for their own personal gain. He says, Woe unto them, him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunk, that he may look on their nakedness. 
So he's taking advantage of other peoples through his lust, fornications, lasciviousness, um, all, any immoral act there, uh, homosexuality. He's making people drunk so that the, so that they can take advantage of them. He says, "Thou art filled with shame for glory," and. He calls them out, and you see a, a terrible picture here. He says, Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. Everything is going to be exposed. The darkest part of man. And he see, he's trying to take advantage, to take advantage through a fornication, through adultery, um, through... Um, sodomy and taking advantage and yet god is going to just rip it right out into the open all this wickedness and corruption is going to be uncovered it's going to be revealed to all people it there's no more hiding it and there's consequences he says verse 18 what prophet what what profit is there in a graven image that the maker made the molten image and a teacher of lies that makes the maker of his work trust or makes those trust in his dumb idols so what good is that as a god is that a god is that a, a, a something to worship something that we've made of our own hands so you notice that we as a country worship ourselves, our corporations. We worship the power that we have in corporations and the, the money that we have, which is fading fast. We glory in the power that we have, but God, the Lord says here, what good is it? What profit do you have in it and what you made yourself? The graven image, he says, the maker thereof hath graven it. What good is it? If you have the power to make it, how can it have the power to help you? How can a piece of wood that you carved have the power to save you? You had to pick it up. You had to shape it. How can it in return provide for your needs? That's the point. It can't. That's why I called it dumb idols. They don't hear. They have ears but cannot hear. Eyes but cannot see. A mouth but can't speak. Hands but cannot do anything. There is no other God but the living God. He says, Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, and it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. We can do what we want. We can dress it up. We can have a real nice-looking building. We can call it a sanctuary. We can have music in there, but that doesn't mean it's a church. That doesn't mean we're worshiping the Lord. We can say a lot of nice things and a liturgy and do some 
amazing things and yet still disobey God and, and be at odds with him. We can take the wood and lay it with gold, lay it with silver, but it's still, there's no breath in it at all. Whatever we put into any efforts that we put into things is vain unless we obey God, unless we follow his way. God is chastising Judah because of their disobedience. And God will do that to us as a nation if we don't get on our knees and humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. So we're in a chapter three of Habakkuk. And this is a prayer of Habakkuk unto Shig-Ianoth. Verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. Now, Selah means to think about it. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thine wrath against the sea, that thou did riddle upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation? Or did ride upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes. Even thy word, Selah, that had cleaved the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitations. At the light of thine arrows they went and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou did march through the land in indignation. Thou did thresh the heathen in anger. Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou wounded the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. Thou did strike through with his staves the head of his villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. They did walk through the sea with thine horses through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, 
The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Here we see the the prayer of Habakkuk, and we he see that he says, Oh Lord, I've heard that speech. I was afraid. And fear entered into him. And that's where we should be to the we should be at the point of fearing God, not what's around us, not with the terrible things that are doing happening around us, not with the uh uh invasion at our southern border, not with the vaccine the jabs, inoculations, the forced mandates that are completely illegal, not with uh, the the withdrawals and our uh, backstabbing our allies and so forth. Uh, whatever it is, there's many different areas of, of chaos at the moment, but we need to rather look at God and fear him. He is in control. He is in charge. He said, I've heard thy speech and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. Notice in his correction, God is going to chastise them. But notice he, what his prayer, Habakkuk's prayer is, in wrath, remember mercy. And he does. God does remember his mercy. He says, God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. God has come down. And I remember when he spoke to Moses, Mount Sinai, and he consumed the mountain with fire and smoke. And Moses walked up to the mountain and stayed with him 40 days and 40 nights, communing with him. He could see God's glory and his power. He says his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. He shows his power, reveals his power to us on his terms, on his timeline. Before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow, his ways are everlasting. Here we see a description of God as all powerful, all greatness. He, he he rises above anything and everything. There is nothing too big for him, nothing too great for him. He asks, "Is did he come in his power and his might for the creatures? Did he come in the power of?" might for the creation no he came for his people his power is revealed in verse 9 he says the bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes even thy word Selah. think about it his bow being left naked it was revealing his power and revealing his strength he says the mountains saw him and trembled There's nothing that can stand 
think about the highest mountain, what? Mount Everest just came to mind. But think the mountains bow to him, they become valleys. There's nothing that can stand in God's way. Many, many, many men have died trying to conquer Mount Everest so they could plant a flag at the top of that peak. And many lives have been taken, but nothing is too powerful or too great for God. I like what Habakkuk says here with verse 16 through 19. He, he looks around and he sees the destruction. He sees the chaos. He sees the disobedience. He sees the pride. He sees the arrogance. And he heard God's response to this, his chastisement to his people. And he says in verse 16, when I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered, rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. He was trembling. He was scared. He was nervous. He was powerless to do anything. He said rottenness in his bones. He was incapable of saving himself, incapable of fleeing, incapable of salvation in himself. And we see when war comes, we, we don't have supplies. We don't have food. We don't have sustenance. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither fruit be in the vines. The grapes won't have, the grapevines won't have grapes. The olives trees won't have olives. The wheat fields won't have wheat. The flocks will, or the pastures will have no sheep, will have no cattle. It's going to get bad. It's going to be terrible. He said, there'll be no herds in the stalls. Notice what he says. In spite of all this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places. Can you say that today? Can you say, in spite of this, that you rejoice in the Lord? You, you will rejoice in the God of your salvation. There are some things we'll be able to resist and prevent, but not the chastisement of God if we've disobeyed. So I urge you now to get on your knees and pray. Seek his face. Ask for forgiveness. Turn from your wicked ways. And when we're in a right stance with God, we can say, I will rejoice in the Lord because he is my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hind's feet. A hind is a, is a deer. A really swift deer that can jump and climb up rocks and high, high places. And he says he will make me to walk upon my high places. We have strength and power and we can conquer in God. We can have the, that salvation and that peace, that joy in Christ if we obey him. But we first have to turn from our wicked ways and we see as a warning to Judah that the Chaldeans would take over and it's a chastisement because of their disobedience to God, the one true God. Let's consider maybe what we're facing today is because of our disobedience and we should turn to him and trust him.